chickens and your savings and your chickens and your savings. Young millionaires and trainers and trainers. Young millionaires and trainers. Young millionaires and trainers. Man, so going into episode six, first month in the books here, um, we had just over 500 listeners for the first 30 days, so I'm really happy and excited about that. I appreciate all you all on doing that, listening to me, leaving reviews, so thanks definitely if you left a review. If you haven't left a review, take the time to subscribe and leave a review now, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, or some other medium of being able to leave a review. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook. The Young Millionaire in Training or the YMIT Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore YMIT underscore podcast. On TikTok, YMIT underscore mindset on TikTok. Also, you can email me, Mr. YMIT12 at gmail.com, just as need be. Either way, make sure to subscribe, follow us, tap in with me. You have questions. Feel free to ask me any of those questions about your personal situation. That way I can tailor it to your situation. However, let's go on and get into today's episode. Knock this one out. This one to be quick because we're still working on those foundational pieces so that we can get into some of that more interesting stuff that you all really came for on how to start creating that money and really get that money flowing. So before we get into today's topics and today's actual episode, I want to get in a word from one of our sponsors, Mr. Reese Thomas. And Ms. Sharice Thomas would like you to know she's born and raised in San Antonio from a military family. She has two sons and her background is in medical administration as well as banking. She understands the importance of privacy and hard work for her community. My goal is to make sure that you have the right protection that fits your family and your budget. I'm an independent insurance agent, which means I can shop around and price check different companies and what they offer, putting you in the best place for your needs as well as taking the stress off of you. Give her a call, a text, or an email at sharice.thomasphp at gmail.com. Phone number is 210-393-1322. Once again, that was sharice.thomasphp at gmail.com. Phone number 210-393-1322. And thank you always to our weekly sponsors. So this week, we're going to get into creating a logical emergency fund and getting your bills on a three to 12 month cycle. So just to recap before we get into the inner parts of those two topics, we've talked about committing to a mindset and we talked about acquiring all insurances. So these next two steps in there are just taking us along our journey. This is the piece where normal financial knowledge or normal financial plans kind of start to change a little bit from what I think to more traditional knowledge. And not to say that the traditional way cannot work. It's just times change. Approaches have to change. And also because people's goals are different, every approach doesn't work. So this just gives you an additional approach that you can potentially use if you've looked at those previous more traditional approaches and they don't seem to work. So the first one, creating a logical emergency fund. Now, the reason why I say that is this tends to be the most difficult stage for most people when it comes to starting 
their financial journey because this is the part where you have to remember that it's a marathon and not a sprint. You're setting that groundwork so you're not doing any of the fun stuff. You're not going out and, and buying a property and flipping it. You're not going out and, and investing $5,000 in the stock market and, it, and you make $8,000 in 26 minutes. You're not doing those kind of things. Right now, you're setting up that safety net and it's boring. I get it. I fully get it. However, it's important um, because without that safety net, you could fall and you want to take that risk, but you still want to take calculated risk. And this is how you make sure you take those calculated risks. First, you do it with insurance. And then this is the next step before you start getting into those a little bit more risky behaviors that allow you to leverage out these risk mitigation factors that you had. So one of the things I like to say, a logical emergency fund. This is where you get a little bit different from traditional. So many times you hear people talk about $1,000, which can be a good starting point. However, you can do that $1,000, but some people often have you stop there and then some kind of start your debt plan or start other things. The reason why I don't have you start there is I realized that this is a marathon and it's not a sprint. Word to my man Nipsey. The reason that's important for you to remember is because people think that you have to be monolithic for some reason. Once you get here, then you can do this. That may work for some people, but ultimately my goal until you build up those powerful mindset pieces is for you to create an environment where the stress won't overcome you. And how do we do that? By making sure that you prepare a logical emergency fund. So $1,000 may not take care of whatever your potential situation is. So I got to give you a little story before I actually go into how to figure out what is a logical amount for you. As I mentioned in the origin episode, I moved to Texas in late May, early June of 2016. My mother got in a head-on collision in August of 20. 16. So I had been here barely two months. Like we had just moved into our place because I initially moved in with my dad when I came here. We stayed there for about two months. Then we moved into our own spot. We had deposits. We had all these different things. Like you said, we just paid to move. We had to buy new furniture. We had to buy all kinds of stuff. We shipped our cars here. So just to go into depth a little bit on that. So we sold everything. We tried to sell as much stuff as we could by deadline. Anything that we didn't sell, we moved out here with us if we weren't going to throw it away. So we paid to have items shipped across country. They packed them at the house, put them on the truck, drove them to Texas, and then unpacked them into our storage unit here in Texas. So that was one expense that we had there. We had both of our vehicles shipped here. That was about $1,000 a piece or so. I want to say the moving was about $2,000 if I remember correct. Somewhere between $1,600 and $2,000. I don't remember exactly, so don't hold that against me. From there, we had, let's see, what did we play? We flew out here, so we both did our plane tickets for us to fly out here and do that. So we had just went through all those moving expenses. Then we found a place, so we had to get stuff moved again from the storage unit. There, we bought all new furniture. We were renting a place. We put in our you know, security deposits, paid first and last month's rent, all these different things that we had to do. And we moved in on the 1st of August and my mom got in that accident, I believe it was August 19th. So we hadn't even been in there a full night, you know, a full month yet, been 19 days. And we had to go home immediately, or I had to go back home to North Carolina immediately to see about my mom. We had to purchase plane tickets. So for me and my wife, it was a last minute flight. That was a thousand dollars right off the rip. So at that point, that $1,000 emergency fund is gone, okay? 
If we had a $1,000 emergency fund, which fortunately we did have more than that saved, but if that $1,000 emergency fund was all that we had for an emergency, that's gone at this point, just off the flights alone. So that right there is the number one thing that lets me know that was not a logical emergency fund for me. It wouldn't have matter what kind of plans I had. My plans would have been over and I would have had to start over had that been where I had stopped at. So those plane tickets were $1,000 right off the gate. Then we arrived in North Carolina. We had to eat and stuff, which we would have had to have done anyway. But we had to eat and stuff and we're eating out the entire time because my mom's in the hospital from her head on collision. Not like she can cook for us, okay? So we arrived there. We're eating, even though I wasn't really eating too much because I was a mess. Uh, my wife called me a little bit of a mama's boy, but it is what it is. So we arrived in North Carolina. We had to rent a car. We ended up being there for a little over a week and a half before we ended up coming back. And you're talking at about $100. $150 a day because, once again, we didn't really have time to shop, search, and do a whole lot of price matching on that. So now we're out potentially another $1,000 just on the car. Our emergency fund, again, is gone. Because of where my mother was at, my, my parents live in a rural area, so the nearest hospital was somewhere between 30 and 40 miles away. Also, at the time, because of, they stayed in such a rural area, they did not have internet at the house or Wi-Fi at the house. And we had bought our computer so that we were able to work from North Carolina, work remotely, but I needed internet to do so, which meant I had to choose between working or not working and then, or paying for a hotel. Once again, this goes back into some of those things that you run into when you're a part of corporate America. Anywho, so I had to work during that time frame. So now I'm having to pay for a hotel that's another $130 to $150 a night. I don't remember the exact time frame. Once again, for another week and a half on that. So overall, the trip ended up costing us about $6,500. Fortunately, we had that money available and we were able to use it. However, where the issue comes in, that $1,000 would not have been a logical emergency fund because that wouldn't have done anything for me. Granted, I had no way of knowing that beforehand. But these are the kind of things that I'm talking about that I really want you to understand what I'm saying. You need to make sure that your emergency fund is logical. Now, how to figure out what's a logical amount? Because hopefully nobody has to go through a situation similar to the one that I just shared. Number one step to that is figuring out what actually counts as an emergency. Most people don't understand what actually constitutes an emergency. So being proactive more proactive, less reactive. You're going to hear me say that a lot because a lot of my plans are about becoming more proactive and being less reactive. So have a discussion about what do emergencies look like. For instance, a flat tire is not an emergency. That's maintenance. No, you can't necessarily predict when it's going to happen, but you do know that it is going to happen and that needs to be a part of when you're budgeting for your vehicle maintenance. For instance, when you purchase a car, and I've talked about this, and we're probably going to do an episode on it at some point, so just bear with me, but I talk about the full price of cars or the full price of vehicle ownership. It goes way past the payment. You have the payment, the car insurance, the maintenance. Any vehicle, a simple Google search, what's the average amount of maintenance cost on XYZ vehicle per year? Look that up, and you should set that amount aside every year for vehicle maintenance. Okay, you see how that works? So that tire to me 
is not an emergency. So I don't have any reason to go in my emergency fund because I don't know anybody who's ever owned a car who hasn't had a flat tire. At some point in time, you're going to have a flat tire. So it's not an emergency. So number one, understanding what an emergency is. Once you understand what an emergency is, you can also kind of roll step one and two together. So you look back at your life and say, what were my three last emergencies? What what were the the last just really emergency situations that I had? Then you go back through that and calculate up how much did each of those emergencies cost you? So I just gave you a total with my mother's emergency where you're talking maybe $6,000 or so. Okay. My job laid me off all of a sudden. That constitutes an emergency, I think. I got in a bad accident. I couldn't work for an extended amount of time. How much did that end up costing me out of pocket if I wasn't insured? Okay, those kind of things. Calculate about how much that costs you and then average those three things out. And that's a good starting point for an amount. Okay, but this is the other piece that you have to look at on top of the amount, the third step to this portion and figuring out. How much is a logical amount? You then have to look at your income and the time frame in which you're trying to operate. And what I mean by this, how much of your income in your current situation can you dedicate to creating this emergency fund? If you're really, everybody's so different. That's why I say it, it varies so differently. And that's why I don't think $1,000 is good. If you make $10,000 a month and you're not overextending yourself, Chances are you can set a thousand dollars aside, or you can come up with a thousand dollars pretty quickly. And I mean bringing home ten thousand. So let me not use a definitive and say what you should do, because you may be overextended, which is okay, because that's why you're here, so we can fix that. Okay, how much money could I reasonably put towards an emergency fund somewhere in between the next six to twelve months? It's just going to be all about your particular plan and how quickly and how much you want it to hurt for you to reach it, just to be totally honest about it. Something I always let people know, literally anything can be possible. It's just about how much time and effort you're really willing to put into it. Within reason, obviously, I I can sit and spend every day in the gym and I'm not going to the NBA at this point, but within reason, within your wheelhouse. So what I mean by that is I tell people, like you can, if you want to make a million dollars a day, you can do that. Or if you're trying to save up this million dollars or whatever the case may be, you can do that. But just understand, like that may mean you're going to have to make a very real life changing strategy. For instance, if you decide to run a marathon tomorrow, as opposed to I just want to run, get in shape. If you decide you want to run a marathon or a decathlon, like you're going to have a really full lifestyle change as opposed to I just want to be in shape and get a little healthier. The amount of work and the amount of focus and discipline that goes into that is way different, okay? So if you're looking, you want to focus on a 6 to 12 month cycle, just depending on how motivated you are to do it, what your personal income looks like. If your emergency fund is $2,500, that will work for you and your family. Uh, I'm going to say $2,400 just to make the math easy since we're using 6 and 12s. If it's $2,400, 6 months, you know that you need to do what? $400 a month? If you want to do it in 12 months, you need to do $200 a month, okay? If you have it, if you have the space there in your budget, then you might can hit that number a little bit quicker. So you look at all those and you never want to exceed 12 months on that. If you're exceeding 12 months, chances are that your emergency fund is too large, okay? If it takes you more than 12 months to save it. So just focus on that piece. Once you realize that, so how do you start 
saving an emergency fund. Like, where does the money get from? I'm already upside down. I'm already overextended. I'm already broke. I, I don't have any money for an emergency fund. I probably wouldn't be listening to your podcast. I get it. So this is where you start to do those. So typically, you're not going to necessarily start the investing this early per se, unless there is a very good quote unquote reason why. This being one of them, when you have to create this emergency fund. So just to throw out a few ways on how to do that. If you already do have space in your budget to create an emergency fund, of course, set aside maybe $100, $200, $300, whatever it is to that emergency fund specifically and just make sure that you're not spending it. Even if it's just taking away some money from your expendable income, $50 here, $20 there, $30 there to go towards it every time you get paid, pick a certain amount and stick to it. Even if that amount is low, you would do better to do $20 every single time you got paid than to try to do 100 and end up borrowing from yourself because you want to start breaking that habit of needing to borrow from yourself. So if you could do $20 and just leave it alone, you would actually end up better than trying to do 100 and end up borrowing 80 from yourself because you're still living and practicing those same habits and we're trying to break those habits, okay? So that's one way. Second way, coming into money. Tax time is coming up. This will be a great time if you're getting a tax refund to set up an emergency fund. I put up a status the other day. I'm not really big on telling people what to do and what not to do because people get so judgmental and they get to be their Google financial advisors and all that kind of crazy stuff that people like to do. I actually understand. People have been stressed out pretty much since last year this time. They want to enjoy themselves. They want to treat themselves. It's okay to splurge, but make sure that you splurge within limits, okay? And not only that you splurge, but when you have an opportunity to move yourself ahead, make sure that you remember how you were feeling this past year since tax returns, and you want to make sure that you never have to feel that way again. So go ahead, start your journey, set that emergency fund aside. Another potential way that you can do this is the accounts. You can look for different accounts that checking accounts and banking accounts. Because remember, I just had the episode about how many accounts should you have. Those accounts that give you the $200, $300, $400, dollars bonus for opening an account and doing the direct deposits. Look for those. That can be a nice little jump start of an extra two, three, four, five hundred dollars, especially if you're trying to reach all those account numbers that I gave you on the previous episode. So that way you could do two birds with one stone there. And where should you keep your emergency fund at? So you want to keep that emergency fund in a couple of places, either a regular savings account. I know everybody's always worried about interest, this, that, and the third. Savings account is not for making a lot of interest. It's not going to make a lot of interest. What this is about is accessibility. You want to make sure that you can log in really quickly and transfer the money. Otherwise, it's probably really not an emergency if you could wait two or three days, okay? It could be, don't get me wrong, but typically speaking, if it's a real true emergency, you're going to need that money pretty quickly. So it's not super important to make sure that you're making the most uh, interest off of it. Because what you're trying to do now is have that accessibility so that you can get to it quickly. You're trying to reduce stress. So sometimes you have to rob Peter to pay Paul a little bit. If you have something typically $500 or higher, some banks will do $2,500. You could even look at doing a money market account, which is a hybrid between a checking and a savings account, it pays a little higher interest, but they typically require you to have a higher balance than a savings account would in order for you to incur that interest. So a lot of times I like to keep my money in money markets. 
just because it doesn't limit your transactions and your ability to transfer out of it in case you need to. But it does require you to keep a little bit more money in there where it may have a $2,500 minimum, $5,000 minimum, whereas a savings account might have a $50 or $100 minimum on it. No matter what you do, at this point in the game, CDs is a no, certificate of deposits, they're a no. Just because they don't really serve a purpose and you're locking your money up too much, so don't keep it in a CD. Also, in a future episode, we're actually going to go over prime rate and I'm going to talk to you all about why CDs and interest rates are so low and how that functions and controls the interest rates that banks pay you, the interest rates that you pay on your home, the interest rates that you pay on pretty much everything and the cost of goods and how inflation is caused. So we're going to cover those in later episodes. That's why I said just stick with us while we're going through some of these very foundational pieces because we're going to get into some good stuff, I promise, okay? We're actually going to pause right here for tall T. Yes, yeah, another tall T. Warren story here. So on this one, another one of my worst financial literacy moments. So let me see here. So at the time, I was neck deep in payday loans, okay? If they're not as popular now. A lot of them have been outlawed because they're crazy. Like payday loans are just crazy. There's no way even around that one. Payday loans are crazy. They're ridiculous. They had a $400 interest. They pay you a, a what? You get $150, $120 from them. And then every payday, they take $40 for, I think, what, 16 years? I'm, I'm being facetious. But they take $40 for quite a little while until you pay it back, pretty much. So I was broke. So I was neck deep in payday loans. I was to the point where I was getting a payday loan to pay off the last payday loan. And then, of course, because I ain't had no money, because now I got to pay two payday loans, then I got to get another one so I can actually eat. And then I need to pay that payday loan back. Because of, of that, my payday loan payments were about $130 worth of payments coming out of my paycheck every two weeks, okay? Now, mind you, my paycheck was only $500 every two weeks. I thought I was balling at the time. I wasn't, just, just to be clear on that. I was working at Target at the time. However, Tall T. Warren had it down to a system. My check deposited at 2 a.m. That's when my direct deposit hit. 2 a.m. on Friday morning. All right, keep up with me now. Break your pens out. So I would wait at the ATM at 2 a.m. I withdraw the money too. However, ha the payday loan company didn't hit my account until 6 a.m. Ha So they gave your boy about four hours to just ball outrageous. You see what I'm saying? So I would take out as much money as I could in increments of 20. Okay. Keep in mind, this was when McDonald's had first started their 24 hours. So I would go through the drive-thru at McDonald's at 2 a.m. Yes, I would wait until 2 a.m. to eat, okay? That's if I didn't want to eat sleep. We talked about eating sleep in the previous episode. I would go through the drive-thru, and I would spend as much as I could that was left on my card and get it as close to having $1 left. So let's say my check was $510. So with the increments, the closest I could get to getting most of the money out would be $500. So I would take out $500 in straight cash. That would leave me with about $10 left. I would go order $9 worth of food just to make sure I left at least a dollar on my card. Then I would go to the gas station because that was back when you could use credit and they would only charge you a dollar until it actually came through a couple of days later. I would go there. I would hold a dollar. Fill up the gas tank. And I actually thought that I was playing the system and winning. That's how broke I was. I actually thought I was winning by doing this method, okay? So, I would have an overdraft on 
the food because that was only one charge. And then I would have an overdraft on the gas and then an overdraft for the payday loans. Each of these was $35. Okay. Now, if you look at overdraft from the place of interest, so I buy a full tank of gas for $35 and they charge me another $35. So I got $35 worth of gas for $70. Tall T. Warren, that is terrible. Okay. And the thing that would would kill me when I drove off from the ATM, I would always be like, man, I'm winning. I know this wrong, but I let future Warren worry about this. Well, Tall T, this is future Warren, okay? If I didn't think it would end my life, I would threaten your life, okay? Now, don't do what Tall T Warren did. Don't overdraft on purpose. You're not doing anything but paying extra interest to some banks, even though some of them are getting rid of those outrageous overdraft fees, fortunately, so that's great. But don't do what Tall T Warren did. Don't overdraft on purpose. Don't be at the ATM at 2 a.m. That's dangerous. Don't just get a tank of gas just to chug a lug. Don't do any of that. So let's get back to the episode, <laughs> back to the story at hand, or back to the information at hand. That talk to you, Warren, but that's a, that's a wild dude. Anyway, the next piece after you get that emergency fund, that logical emergency fund set, is getting your bills paid on a 3-12 to 12 month cycle. Now, this one is the one that typically catches people a little bit off guard because it's a little bit different. Actually, it's not even a little bit different. It's a lot different from traditional knowledge on save up six months of expenses. This is in that same vein, but we're going to go about it a little different way because we want to get a little bit different reaction out of it. So when you save up six months of expenses, they say, hey, okay, just in case life happens, you got six months to figure it out. You get your rent, your mortgage, your car payments, your bills. If it's $1,000 a month, you save up $6,000. That way, if you lose your job or something happens, you have six months to figure it out. This is true. And the thinking behind that is true. However, the reason why I like to approach it a little bit different is I feel like that approach happens to act or function as if somehow you're in a bubble. And what I mean by that, let me explain. In your sound mind, that six months of expenses would last you six months. However, when you're not necessarily functioning in your sound mind due to whatever stress has been brought on by whatever catastrophic occurrence has happened to get you to a point where you need six months, you're often not functioning properly. So your spending habits also do not function normally or properly like they would when everything's okay. Let me give you an example. So they say save six months just in case you get fired from your job. Depending on why you got fired from your job, some people believe in retail therapy. The jury is still out on if retail therapy is actually therapy or not. I used to say no retail therapy is not actual therapy. I've actually had some and it's therapeutic. It doesn't help anything in the long run, but in the immediate moment, it, it will help some things. I'm not going to lie to you. It's something about just being able to go in the Gucci store and ball out that just make you feel better. So if retail therapy is your thing, imagine you get fired from your job and you got that, that six months of savings in there. You know what? I'm going to go and we're going to fix, we're going to have us a steak dinner tonight because I just need to feel better. And I'm going to stop on the way home. I'm going to buy a new pair of shoes for my ladies. They're going to buy a new purse. My guys, they might buy whatever it is that, what do we buy? I don't, even, I don't know what we buy. We be buying stuff. We just be buying crazy stuff. But whatever it may be, you may go home and buy it. Now that six months just turned into five and a half because you felt like you need to feel better, which is okay. I'm not saying that you don't, but those are the kind of things that you don't keep in mind. Meanwhile, you're still thinking, I have six months. No, you don't. You have five and a half now. Now, this is the other piece of that. 
anytime that you're not making money, so let's say it does actually take you six months to get back on your feet. Anytime that you're not, or to get, let me not say back on your feet, to find employment, or it takes two or three months. One thing that we happen to know, anytime typically with the way that we're functioning, especially as consumers, until we switch over and start becoming investors, anytime we're not making money, we're typically spending it. Now, because you're not at work all day, you can sit at home and order Amazon. You can order takeout. Even if you're not even doing extra things like that, you weren't able to go out and grocery shop for the family like you, you wanted to. Now I got time to go out and grocery shop. So we're just going to go out and grocery shop. And because I'm not tired and just trying to hurry up and get home, I'm going in the middle of the day and there's not a lot of people. You end up buying more groceries than you normally do. You want to try new recipes because you have new time. So you start buying things that are typically out of your budget. You got time to do projects around the house. Hey, you know, why don't we buy a shelf? It's only $100. Meanwhile, it's beating and eating away at that six months. So you thought you had six months. Now, in reality, you only have about four. And as time start ticking and getting closer, now it's, man, what am I supposed to do? What's happening? Now, the way that I like to approach it a little bit differently is you have your emergency fund. So, of course, that is still there in case you need or something comes up. And if it's logical and more than $1,000, it might actually, you know, last a little bit longer than that $1,000 one would. But we're getting there. The three to 12 month cycle, what this allows you to do is paying all of your bills that are not on your credit report ahead anywhere from three to 12 months in advance. Those are things like your light bill, your internet, your cell phone, insurances, like I said, non-credit report bills, paying those three to 12 months ahead. The reason why we look at doing that is a two-part thing. One, if those are paid six months ahead, if you lose your job, you can't call up to the light bill company and be like, hey, I know I paid it six months ahead, but uh, do you mind if I get some of that back? Yeah, they're not giving you that back, okay? You can't get that back, so you don't have that opportunity to go out and spend it on that retail therapy. It can actually be used for what it was supposed to be. And I know some people, they were like, hey, I don't trust them that much to be giving them six months. And I get that. Start with two or three. And But before I even get into start with two or three, I want to talk from a philosophical place for a moment. Why do we pay bills every 30 days or every month? Like, why is that the, the time frame that's chosen? Because they don't trust you to pay them. They don't trust you to go any longer. Like, why wouldn't they just say, hey, come holler at me on uh, the first of the year. You worked all last year. Come holler at me on the first of the year and pay uh, $1,000 for the year and we'll be done. Why don't they do that? Or pay $1,200 for the year and we'll be done. You make $70,000 a year. You don't have $1,200 to pay for the light bill for the year. The reason they don't do that is because they know and understand your bad spending habits. They know that you can't be trusted with money. They know that you can't manage it. So the reason why I have this one is I'm in control of my finances. So I already know these are things that have to be paid. These are not unexpected things. I know I have to pay the light bill. You know about how much your light bill is, especially if you've been playing in the same place for an extended amount of time. Go ahead and pay that in advance. That's one less thing for you to worry about each month. Okay. And if something happens, it's already taken care of. At the very least, for the next six months, I have lights. Okay. Also, this is the other thing that it does it frees up money for you on a month to month basis as you're getting paid. Because this is the thing if you pay it a year in advance, like right now, it's the end of January uh, 2022. So if you paid it up for the rest of the year, as you get paid in February, Oh, I don't have a light bill this month. So what can I do with the extra money? Bing, bing, add it to the emergency fund? Or bing, bing, buy some more insurance? Or bing, bing, as we go to the next one, start investing it? 
Because this is the thing. We all have the habits of spending money and paying bills. What we don't have the habit of is investing. You remember when I talked about paying yourself first before you pay anybody else? This is where that money comes from. You're so busy paying all these companies first that you can't even pay yourself first on a month-to-month basis. Now, granted, yes, you are physically paying them first, but this is going to get you into freeing up money so that you can have the habit of every time you get paid, paying you first. And then this is the other piece. Let's say that it doesn't work. You pay it up for one year. It went terrible for you. And once you get to the end of the year, you don't have to do it again. If it doesn't work for you, don't do it again. But just see the difference when you have that free money and it's just one less thing to pay for. And now one other thing that you could potentially do, since you know that you're saving it up, you can still be putting that money to the side. This is why I said it's a marathon and not a sprint. Now, keep in mind, the markets fluctuate. Things do change. They go up and down. So this is not always set in stone. The other thing that you could do, let's say your light bill, your cable, your internet, your phone, all come up to $500 a month. What if you invested that $500 a month, You once you got it up to a year or six months, let's say six months, once you got it up to six months, you invested that $500 a month for six months, made interest off of it. So let's say it's so $500 times six is $3,000. let us say you made $250 in interest. You now take that $3,000, $250, pay $3,000 of it, for the next six months of light bill. And guess what? You have $250 to go out and have some retail therapy with. And you didn't do anything extra other than start that money up front because now that gives you the ability to invest with that money. Now, granted, you could potentially lose it depending on how the market's going. So I'm not saying that's a guarantee. But what I'm getting at is trying to change your viewpoints, trying to change your thinking on how you do it. Because worst case scenario, let's say that the market did go down. You could just pay your light bill like normal, like that, that didn't change. Okay. But you still have that other free money now there to invest. And I know that's a lot. I, I fully understand that's a lot of new information. Most people never even heard that approach, but I promise it does help because what we're trying to do is change your perception of money, change the way you think about money. All I'm saying is, and rock with me here while we get ready to, to close this episode out. You've been doing things the way that your parents taught you. You've been doing things the way their parents taught them, that you see everybody else doing them, and it's not working. Have you ever asked yourself, do you think that rich people will pay the light bill every month? Or is that a middle class concept? Or do they just write a check for it and pay it up for the year? Insurance. Car insurance. That's probably the one that is most familiar with, where you can pay it six months or a year in advance. Yeah, it sucks, and it's a lot of money when you have to pay it all at once. You hurt once. And then you have 11 months of chill and you're using that money the way that you want to use it instead of it already being obligated every single month to someone. Keep in mind, those tax returns are coming up. Try it out with one bill, the light bill. If it's $100 a month, take $1,200, just pay it up for the year and see how it feels. Pay it up for six months. You only have to do it for a year. That's $600 if it's $100 a month. Pay it up for six months and see how it feels to you not to have a light bill for six months. Do you ever remember since you were an adult not having a bill that's the biggest thing i hate adult and i hate paying bills okay so pay it one time and get it out the way then you don't have to worry about it every month or do you want to keep going down that exact same path that you've been going down time and time and time again so just take some of these things to heart think about some of these concepts think about how it works into your life or how it would potentially work into your life and just understand if you want to get a different result You're going to have to put in something different. 
you're going to get the same output if you continue to have the same input. So we want to give a different input so we can start to get a different output as we move towards going on our million dollar train, okay? So until next time, stay up. I know y'all going to have some questions about this one. So hit my inbox up. Y'all know all the social media. Hit me up. Send me questions. I'll answer them. If y'all want me to go over it in depth some more, send it to me and we'll knock it out. But until next time, y'all be good and I'll holler at y'all. Young millionaires and dreams and dreams.